there they are now, the global Irish community in the year of 2023 for the first time. I hope you had a magnificent Christmas, whether you're in uh, Dunedin in New Zealand or whether you're in Delaware. I hope you had a great time. There was plenty of turkey and a bit of ham and uh, time with the family and a few presents and what have you. And uh, if you didn't have a great time, I hope you got through it okay and that you're able to put it behind you. We had a little bit of a break ourselves. But the funny thing with the podcast business is that um, you're always thinking about the next one up, you know. So even if, uh, you know, between the days of Christmas Day and New Year's Day, you're trying to get things together so that you can bring people an episode by the time they're getting back to work and sitting in the car and putting the tools in the van or sitting on the train on the way to teaching uh, a bunch of kids. English or whatever it is you're up to so um was doing that over the Christmas you never really switch off but uh, it is delightful to be back here in the little studio again talking to you and uh, bringing you these podcasts um over the year it's uh, the first of a half well it wasn't even a half a year really of the Global Gale podcast but it's been fascinating to see how the whole thing has taken off and thanks to everybody who has spoken to me and I'm very much looking forward to getting stuck into 2023 and uh, we'll be starting off with a little bit of a discussion around alcohol and dry January uh, with Joe O'Neill from the Irish Creative Collective in London, uh, who works a lot in pubs in London, but gave up drinking at the end of January next year. So we're going to check in with him. He's 11 months into to being off the gargle. So if you're planning on giving up drink for a shorter or longer period of time, I think this is a discussion that it's well worth uh, having a listen to. But before I do that, right... One of the things I ended up having to do myself over Christmas was to sort out a passport card, right? Not a passport, but a passport card. And it struck me that it's one of these things that an awful lot of people uh, could probably do with getting themselves, especially if you're an Irish person who is living in Europe, right? So basically, you can have two things at once. You can have your standard passport with the pages and the harp on the front, etc., etc. And then you can have a sort of a miniature one in card form that you can stick in your wallet, right? Now, I have to apply for a visa for um, a thing that I can't tell you the details of it now but I have to send in my passport basically and have it checked out and then sent back to me but as a working journalist I can't really be without the passport either because God only knows when the phone could ring and I could be asked to go off to somewhere in, in Europe and go and do my thing you know so I was thinking Jesus how will I do this because they're saying it's going to take two to three weeks and now that the pandemic is over in inverted commas there's COVID fucking everywhere but um, it seems to be over um, things have started, you know, I'm never three weeks in a row in Sweden. I'm never three weeks in a row at home because something always crops up where I have to go somewhere. So I got on to our good friends at the Swedish Embassy here in, St- or sorry, the Irish Embassy uh, to Sweden here in Stockholm. And they said, no, you can get one of these passport cards. And I know that they'd mentioned it to me before, right? And I never really looked into it. But I got to Doreen Burke here and she was saying, yeah, here's the link. Go and have a look at it. And I did. And it's a very, very simple process, right? And you can use it in most European countries. There's a list of them on the website. It seems to be pretty much every EU country plus Iceland, Liechtenstein, Norway and Switzerland. And indeed our friends in the United Kingdom who... um who left uh, the EU there but it's it's all it's all good you can do it it lasts for 5 years and it matches the expiry date of your passport book right so my passport card will expire at the same time as my passport expires right and it's really easy and it takes about 10 days according to Dorian 10 working days now that's going to be different to me for me because I applied over Christmas so it might be the middle of January but uh, wherever I get it that's fine you know that'll do me so I've put in an application for that now and uh, and it's ready to go now this 
there's various different things that you have to do to be able to do that, right? So it, you, you, when you're going and applying and you say, right, oh, you know, I'm an adult, uh, so I'm over 18, and uh, you you can either choose as a first-time passport applicant or as a renewal. From my case, it was as a renewal. Uh, my name is the same as it is on my previous passport. And, you know, that's it. You just click your way through there, and then you select the passport card. And then, you know, you, like, it's just a bunch of little questions. And the only thing I think that I had to provide, because you provide your passport number and your name and all that kind of thing, and just a new photograph, like an up-to-date photograph, which I had taken uh, around the corner from my little office here. So I'll keep you posted. It looks like a great joke to have altogether. Um, I have, in the past, I lost a passport once and I ended up having to get one issued to me because uh, I was going to America. And again, the great folks at the embassy here were very decent about it. But having both of them, means that certainly for travel within Europe now it's it just makes life an awful lot easier I don't have to worry too much I just stick it in my wallet and I have it there so it's definitely something if I were you I would have a look at getting it now the next process for me will be for getting Irish passports for my children who are of course Irish citizens if you're an Irish uh, citizen and your children uh, they will automatically be Irish citizens but if you want to get the passports that's a whole process in itself and maybe we might do a different episode on that we might actually get somebody from the passport office on to have a wee chat about that but so far the process has been very painless indeed and uh, it's hopefully winging its way to me very very soon anyway enough about that this is a listener supported podcast and this is the way it is lads right during the year i have a target in mind i want to get a certain amount of subscribers on patreon so that i'm not beholden to anybody right so that i'm not beholden to sponsors or to advertisers or to just having a couple of hours or four or five or six hours a week over to make these podcasts for you right i need to get up to a certain level so i have a target in mind for the number of people i get on patreon at the moment nowhere near it but you know time is on our side so if you can't subscribe on patreon.com forward slash our man in Stockholm, right? That's the, sort of the, the brand that I use there on Patreon. And for that, you will get the Global Gale, the glorious Global Gale podcast. You will get the Irish in Sweden podcast. You will get the Premier Sweets podcast. And I'll be doing a little bit more writing and that on Patreon and that, you know. There's a there's a whole load of different alternatives out there. You have Substack and you have Coffee and you have all these other things. And I just, I can't be arsed cross-posting 50 million things. So Patreon is going to be the way to go, lads, right? So if you're listening to this podcast and you're enjoying it and you think it's worth it, a fiver a month is less than the price of a cup of coffee in many European countries and certainly less than the price of a pint of Guinness in many European countries at this stage. So for basically less than the price of a pint, you can help me keep going. It works out at a euro a podcast or even less than a euro a podcast depending on how many you you listen to every month, right? So I think it's a fair enough deal. But it grants me then the independence to be able to keep doing these things, right? And it'll be very, very important coming towards the middle of the year where I'm hoping to do a little bit more travelling and to actually get out and meet more of the Irish people abroad, right? So, um, when I was in Qatar there recently, luckily I was being paid to be over there, but I was able to talk to Martin Farrar, the musician Faraway Martin there, and bring his story to you and that kind of thing. And I want to be able to do more of those things, but I won't, I don't really want to be dependent on people sending me places just so I can piggyback off it for these podcasts. I'd much rather be independent and able to do that myself. So the podcast will always be free, right? And this is to my detriment. The people at Patreon tell me, oh no, you should put things behind the paywall or put half the episode out and then if they want to listen to the other half, well then they have to pay. No, that's not the way it's going to be because I have been that poor emigrant at one point in time where I didn't have two shillings to rub together, right? So they're always going to be free. So if you can afford to pay the five a month, brilliant. If you can't, listen away, right? Be part of this community. Be part of it. Feel the warmth of the podcast every month when they come out. That's absolutely grand. I'm not asking you for anything. But if you can afford to pay it, please do, right? Because in a way, you're sort of taking a little bit of the burden for the people who can't afford to, play it, to pay it, you know? So um, it would be great if you could do that. Patreon.com forward slash Arrowman in Stockholm uh, for five euros a month. 
brilliant, right? They'll throw on a bit of VAT, so it'll come out about six euros a month, still less than the price of a pint of Guinness. Uh, now, speaking of pints and of Guinness and of alcohol and all those things, this is a time of year where many people are giving up the gargle for a month, right? Uh, it's a great idea. I don't drink myself, as you'll hear in this conversation with Joe O'Neill, uh, and I haven't done for many years, and I feel an awful lot better for it. But an awful lot of people come into this time of the year and they feel a lot of pressure not to drink, or they feel like, oh, you know, maybe this is something I should be doing. But they kind of really don't know how to deal with that. So over Christmas, I was thinking about that because it is a time where we eat and we drink and we make merry and maybe, you know, we might drink a little bit more than is good for us, you know. But I thought, who can I talk about the, to about this subject? Just not in a sort of a, a preachy way or not in a point the finger way or not in a sort of, you know, a, a very sort of, you know, oh, this is what everybody should do. This is absolutely brilliant and everybody should be like me. No, just to have a conversation and just cover some of those areas because I know when I stop drinking myself, I kind of worry about, Jesus what will I do like you know what will I do when I go to a pub and I'm the only one not drinking alcohol like you know how will I put up with that you know and these are questions that are very very valid because you want to know that you're not going to stick out like a sore thumb and that you're not going to feel like an idiot sitting there with, with a coke or an orange juice or an alcohol free beer or an alcohol free wine or whatever and I suppose I want to have this conversation with Joe O'Neill to tell you that yeah it's possible um, the way I got to know Joe, who you will have heard previously on the podcast talking about the Irish Creative Collective in London, which is a great idea that he is one of the driving forces behind. Uh, himself and his brother Kevin lived over here in Stockholm, where I live, uh, for a year or two. So Joe was over here working for about a year, and I got to know him, played football with him, all these kinds of things. Absolutely fascinating guy. He does some brilliant stuff, uh, especially around Manchester United online and that. But when he gave up the alcohol thing, it just became a whole new dimension to the chap. And this, uh, he gave up the alcohol whilst in London. So let's uh, have a little chat with Joe O'Neill about giving up alcohol, about having done so 11 months ago with uh, having the goal of being offered for a year, just to see where he is now and uh, how he's getting through it and indeed if he's any plans to ever drink again. So here he is, Joe O'Neill, actor, comedian, great guy and one of the driving forces behind the Irish Creative Collective in London. All right, Joe, as somebody who has taken dry January to extremes by extending it to the other 11 months of the year, where did the idea come from last year for you to stop drinking? Was the 28th of January you stopped drinking last year? Yeah, technically, I think it's a, it's a 9 or 10 p.m. on the 27th when I had my, my final drink, but it started from midnight leading into the 28th. It was uh, basically, I've... I think for uh, it wouldn't be the first time in my life that I, I had given up alcohol, but it'd be like six weeks or two months at a time or, or something like that every couple of years. But it got it caught to the stage. I was in London and uh, there was this basically I was working in a really, as many people do at some point, really terrible Irish pub. And, uh, <laughs> and that just and, scared uh, you off alcohol forever. Not, honestly, honestly, look, I was coming in every day and uh, I was doing six days a week. I was doing eight to ten hours shifts there if I was lucky. Um, and uh, I would just come in and see people, all of them, majority of not all of them, like Irish, Irish descent uh, that have been over 50 years and and still have their accent from Sligo. And they'd come in every day and they would just sit there drinking, watching racing TV. And uh, I found myself because the the way... Uh, tips work in England which means they don't which means uh, people come in and go oh can I buy you a pint and you'd be like fine yeah, yeah and you put it in the can and then by the end of the week or sometimes the end of the night you might have 10-15 pints 
And then, so I would sit there after work with a mate of mine uh, or whoever's there. We'd bring people in or whatever and I'd have a key. So we'd be sitting in the bar till sometimes four or five o'clock in the morning, probably drinking more than the lot of pints that were set down for us anyway. Mm. But we were, and I, I was just like, this is pretty miserable. Because uh, I could feel, I, did, I never thought, because I feel I've too much kind of going on. I hope so anyway, but I could, I never anticipated that I could become someone who sits in wasting their pension, having their family hate them because the, their only true love is, you know, costs five ninety at a, the local pub. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to make sure that never happened to me. So I said, if I can go one year and no matter what happens, no matter what, what possible permutation that comes in, I will not sip alcohol. I will not go near it no matter what happens and, uh, and see what happens to me over the course of that year and then see what my relationship with alcohol is afterwards. And um, I like I'm coming to the end of it now. I've what twenty well as of today twenty seven. I don't know how the way maths works. Twenty seven days from now, um, that I would say like I don't want to because I think the big thing as well is like it's not only there's there's two massive times when you want to drink. I think for me, and it's one when it's free. You know, and then it, there's two when the when your uh, companion that you're with is so dull that you feel the only way to bring life to the to to the to the conversation is if one of you is pissed. And uh and and I've preferably had, you at that point. Yeah, preferably me, because uh yeah, because it just gets twice as bad if it's just them. But I've been in many situations where uh for example, last night was New Year's and I work in a bar and there was uh, uh many free drinks going and uh I uh, I had no no graph for having any of it. And then you kind of are like maybe at times you'd be like for about nine, maybe about 90 minutes or so you'd be like oh everyone's had a pint they're having a great time everyone's sort of just like I won't say loose but they're just a bit more liberal and, and just like it's the crack is being had but then it's like after 90 minutes people start to have maybe too much and then you're like I'm going to go home now after having a really good night I'm going to get a good night's sleep and I'm going to talk to a really uh, a wonderful uh, Irish person based in Sweden in the morning with a, with a clear head and have and have some clarity. That's you, by the way, Phil. In case I you was just going to say the best look when you're talking to them. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look back, Joe, like you made this decision this time last year, right? And you're now sort of yeah. eleven months in. Was it a scary thought for you? Because drinking is very much a part of who we are as Irish people, not just as yeah. Irish people, but as Irish people in London and in New York and in yeah. you know you'll you'll so often see. I'm a member of a lot of the Facebook groups in Australia and Philadelphia and that kind of thing. And, you know, half the posts are, oh, look at this lovely photograph from County Mayo. And the other one is this pub has a fry up and a pint for 10 quid or whatever. You yeah, know, was the scary yeah. thought for you? Did you sort of think, Jesus, how am I going to do this? Am I just going to become a monk for the next year? <laughs> I I was like, I wouldn't say fear was the right word. I was I was excited. And and uh, at some point throughout it, I there was definitely bouts of loneliness just because, I never realized for the first maybe two months how much my life has been centered around a pub. I live over a pub, for the love of God. And uh, um, uh, so like when that when that part came into it, I was a bit like, it, it, it's a readjusting my entire life. But you kind of get over it and you, and you move on. And you and like, I remember what really stuck me to it was when I announced I was going to do it. I said it to my family on my birthday. I was like, this is what's going to happen. And like, there was what, 10 of them at the table? None of them believed me except for my auntie Geraldine and my mom. So they were the only two that said, Joe will do this. And my dad, my brothers, my my close family friends were all like, Joe, this isn't going to happen. You're not going to do it. And I was like, I am going to do it. I am going to do it. And I'll show you all that I'm going to do it. So from that point on, I was like, there was no way it was ever 
going to I was going to back down from it as well. So um, uh, so that 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 definitely helped. Uh, even though I don't know if they were mean for for it to be that way. But um, but yeah, well, did that you... disappoint you, Joe? Sorry to, to interrupt you, right? But right. you know, the, the fact that people have a strong reaction saying you could not do this—that you know, hang on a second, these people see me in a certain way as I know you as a very happy, very entertaining, yeah. very joyful bloke, and they would maybe know you as that same person, but with a glass in their hand, and maybe that they'd, they'd yeah. look at that glass and they go, "Well, that's Joe needs that to be funny." Joe, did that sort of upset you, or did that sort of you know bring anything home to you at the time? I think more so. I think most of them are doing it just for the crack because I think it, it's more of a reflection on themselves because I think the thing is they're saying you can't do it, Joe, because they can't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's what um, I hear from nearly everyone is that like they can't do it. Um, like I could, like every time I said that, I was like, I could never do that. I'm like, I think you can. I think we, we, we hold on to these vices just because they're part of the norm and they think it's part of our personality. But actually, it, it tends to just be a hindrance. Like, because, like I said, you have about 90 minutes to two hours of being good crack on booze or in any sort of, uh, um, stimulant. Or... There we go. Thank you. Good word. Um, and then it just starts to get a bit messy. And I think most of, the, I think half of them were just doing it for the crack. And then half was just to kind of spur me on that I would do it. And then another part of it was just like they were, um, shining at the fact that they don't feel they could do that. And um and like all I've honestly all I've gotten I've gotten like from a few people, uh, where you're an alcoholic and I, which is maybe think about it was I an alcoholic and I don't, I don't think I was but I definitely had an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Yeah. I think there's like it does not be one or the other, but it um with, yeah but with that I think it was just more shining a light on on their own insecurities with whatever the substance might be yeah. that they couldn't do that. But I've I've told people like just. Whatever you feel your vice is, because I don't think alcohol is maybe it's probably still is the biggest in Ireland, but it definitely isn't the biggest issue. I think there's lots of other people who um, take recreational drugs, whatever it may be, for whatever severity that feel they need that to survive. Like I remember speaking to someone who um, I told him I was sober and we were having a full on conversation. And he was like, I can't believe it that you're able to do this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And someone made a comment about me not drinking. And he, he went, what? You're not drinking? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's like, I thought you weren't on coke. And I was like, no, no. And he, and he was like, how are you talking to me? Like completely sober. And I was like, I don't know, man. I'm just talking to you. Like, it's fine. And he goes, and then he kind of, he kind of sat there for a minute and he got a bit sad. And he was like, man, I had to take a bump of coke to go to my nanny's funeral just to talk to people. Like, he goes, I have to do, I have to take a bump of coke if I just want to be able to sit up and watch TV on a Tuesday evening. And it's not even like, I don't know how much a bum of coke is, but I don't think it's, it's as, as as much as maybe three or four pints of alcohol, but it's as affecting that person's life yeah. um, to just speak and to just talk. And this guy couldn't imagine speaking to me, uh, thinking I was just drinking, if anything else. Like he couldn't imagine, couldn't imagine speaking to someone perfectly sober. So I think alcohol and those stimulants, as you said, um, have become a crutch for loads of people. And um I, I say to everyone and they're like, I couldn't do it. I needed to like talk to people. I needed to like get up. And I was like, just get rid of it for one month because you're hiding whatever great thing is about yourself. You're hiding whatever insecurities you have about yourself. You're masking it with 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 this and you don't need to. If you can go one month, whatever it is, whatever you feel in your life that you think you need, that isn't obviously food, that isn't you know oxygen or whatever, that you need to survive, I guarantee you don't. I guarantee it. And you find out more about yourself and you find out more about your friends than you'll ever will on the stuff because it's not meant to enhance your life. It's meant to, and anything is meant to keep you at par. 
if not yeah. take away stuff. I yeah. just think of that, you know, okay, you know, one pint, maybe one glass of wine with your Christmas dinner, maybe 14 of them, spice bags, yeah. you know, what, what are we getting into here, you know? Um, you yeah. mentioned the A word there. Um, What's your relationship to the word alcoholic now, right? Because you mentioned it's something that I don't find that people can do very easily. The ease with which you use that word in relation to yourself, you know, you yeah. asked yourself, am I an alcoholic? And your answer is no, but maybe I could have been kind of thing or that yeah. that potential is there. I find that word you know, almost useless when talking to people who drink too much because it just it frightens the shite out of them, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it either frightens them or it kind of closes down the conversation because they'll just go, they'll refuse to talk about it because it's it can kind of hit too close to home. I yeah. think we have like uh, certain people give themselves maybe their twenties or early thirties to be like, well, look, I'm I'm too young, I c- I can booze up and uh, and it doesn't matter. It do. it, it, yeah, it doesn't count, you know. Um, well, actually, I think this is the best time to kind of build your relationship with alcohol going forward. Um, because for me, I'm sure we'll probably get this question anyway, uh, whether I'm going to go back to drinking after the year. But for me, like it has completely changed my relationship um, with alcohol. And I've never been on a high horse. I wouldn't put myself on a high horse to anyone if they asked me about it. I'll just be honest. And I, I like I was saying, I, I think everyone, especially when they're young, because that's when it does get you. And young is from, you know, we'll say we're in Ireland, in Ireland so we'll say probably 15 upwards. Um, but you should definitely take a break from alcohol. And people say dry January. I don't think dry January counts because everyone does dry January. Um, I think so, it so, socially be, it's actually easy because nobody yeah, else is drinking anyway. Like Exactly, yeah. And then you end up having maybe, like you have that one mate, you're like, oh, come on, we'll have one pint on the 15th. We won't tell anyone sort of thing. We'll go out. You should be doing a dry March or a dry April or a dry June or a dry December. Like if you do December once, because a lot of people said to me, the hardest months for me, I think they were sort of predicting would be like the summer months and, and Christmas. And I'll say the summer didn't matter to me at all because a lot of times people are drinking, yeah, or whatever in parks or or, uh, or they might be going to pubs where they're in the smoking areas or and it was very sunny, it was very beautiful. And no one knows that I had no orange juice. And no, it didn't really make a difference. But then you get into Christmas and people you're seeing people for the first time you haven't seen in possibly a year. And uh, you're going out to the pub and everyone is in the best mood. Like, if Kev is listening to this, uh, my brother Kev, um, we, uh, the lads and all, um, and himself wax lyrical about what we like to call Naismas, which is Christmas in Nace, and it starts on the 23rd. And uh, it is like magic. This is the most Kildare like, thing I've ever heard. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. No one else enjoys it except for us. But like, the pubs are lit, like everyone's having a great time and it's just this general euphoria that hits. But it is kind of surrounded with that thing of like pints, 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 pints. And I um, and I I will say that is tough because you, it's a bit more socially awkward when you're meeting someone because not everyone comes back for Christmas every year. So you might be seeing for the first time in three, four, five, maybe 10 years. And like, even though you're like, yeah, it's so much easier if you have four or five pints on. You're like, oh my God, great to see him. I haven't seen you in so long. That like, oh, you might be at the other end of a bar. You might see them and be like, they might remember me or they might want to talk to me. And you lose that bit of that sense of like, I'll go over. So you kind of might lose magic moments in that. So if you can go through the month of December, and also there is the other aspect of Christmas, which is not everyone likes Christmas and not everyone, people some, sometimes move into alcohol because it helps them detach from what Christmas is. So that's why I think Christmas, if anyone can do December 1st till December 31st, um, I think that's as good as doing a year. Um, for for just your relationship with needing alcohol and wanting alcohol, if you can do that, because that's when the emotion's at the highest, I feel 
you can kind of claim a year of star or whatever you want to do because that that is the toughest. What do you drink when you're not drinking alcohol and yet you're out doing Naismas in the pubs of Kildare? <laughs> um, for ages, it was water. I just tried. To, I tried to just have water. I'd go in and buy a couple of still waters, and then depending on the bar, I tried to get like just pints of tap water afterwards because, like you know, it's still the same thing. Um, I, I drink a lot of juices. In the last two months, I I have been drinking non-alcoholic. Um, just because it kind of feels like you're with like you know one of the guys still and that that still is an aspect of it and it makes them feel more comfortable as well because they feel like oh i can i can be more comfortable with you because we're both drinking even though they know i'm not i know i'm not um but the problem with that is it kind of although you don't get the alcohol you do get all the like basically you still end up getting a beer belly a beer belly so it kind of takes away all the healthy stuff from that side but like i went out I uh, went to the one of the greatest pubs in London, in London in Dublin, uh, Grogan's, with a few of my mates on at uh, in around just after Christmas, and um, I I went in there and I found out um, which is magic for any you know ex alcohol drinking but still want to drink alcohol uh, that they do uh, non alcoholic on draft, um, which was a uh, an Australia and I was like oh fantastic, it was five eighty. All right. Yeah. Uh, it was five ninety five for a pint of Guinness, and I was like, "All right, you know what? I'm going to do a full day on this. Um, want see see what it's like. Had like six or seven pints, and like everyone else getting more drunk, and I was like, "Look, guys, I'm one of the gang." And they were like, "Yeah." So it felt like it felt like you know when you're playing PlayStation with your older cousin, and you're like, "Yeah, we're playing together, but your controller isn't plugged in." Uh, that's exactly <laughs> what it was like. You're like, "Yeah, we're all part of this." And they're like, okay, come on, Joe. Uh, <laughs> Except for you, you're not. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty expensive as well. I remember uh, a few years ago, I was back for Christmas, and like I don't drink at all. I haven't drank for many years now, you know. Yeah. But I was in some hotel, I think, for Christmas, somewhere around Walkinstown Roundabout or something like that. And like you know, I went down, I got two bottles of non-alcoholic beer, and I was like, oh, I it was about a ten or something. I was going, what the fuck is the point? If you're not even going to yeah. save a few quid doing this now, I understand, Joe, that you know you're in the pub, you're you still work in pubs as well, aside from acting and stand-up comedy, music, yeah. and all the great things that you do. So people have to make a living. That's fine, right? But, you know, taking you for 580 every time you go to have a, a, a lovely pint of Estrella seems like a, a little bit much, you know? It's unbelievable because I would say in um, a few pubs I've been in, I get like bottles of non-alcoholic Peroni. And I've been doing it only, literally, I don't know why I had a brain with it over the last like two months or so. I had, I had 10 months of nothing, you know, not even a taste of non-alcoholic. Yeah. Um, um, but like there, they were like four eighty or something like that for a bottle, or four sixty. And I'm like, okay, that's not too bad. It's under a fiver and whatever. And then I go to Grogan's, and I was like, this is why I left Ireland. Just shower, you know. <laughs> but eight eighty, fifteen cents in the difference. That's what their alcohol is worth. Fifteen cent. It's you know ridiculous. that's what they're telling me. And the thing is, like, you know, there's there's so cheap. I can't remember where I was. Obviously, I live here in Sweden, and I saw. I just I look at at the prices these days. I never drink them outdoors because, like, you know, if you go out to a restaurant or whatever, to me, there's no point in spending a fiver on one of these things. Yeah. Right? when you can get a whole box of them for the same price at the local fucking supermarket, you know. But I can recommend the Guinness Zero. That the whole experience of that non-alcoholic Guinness is definitely worth it because it comes up like a sort of a proper point. You kind of feel, as you were saying, the PlayStation. You feel like the adult yeah. kind of thing, you know. And um, what, what was one of the things that struck me was that not everybody reacts the same way, right? An awful lot of people can actually be quite aggressive. When you join, you know, a bunch of people sitting at a table, like, oh, this is Joe from Ireland. And, uh, oh, Joe, you're having a pint. He's going, no, no, I don't drink. You know, I get one myself. Not everybody goes, oh, that's great for you, Joe, do they? Oh, no, I, I have, I've definitely had it um, in the past. And it's, again, it comes from people's own insecurities and um, and they're not wanting for 
people to progress because I will say like I think they get more annoyed when they're like oh have you ever drunk and I, I would be like I have and I'm, I'm doing this but I'm actually they... very good at it yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was one of my top skills for a long time um, but yeah I get I tend to get it through that side and uh, and of course I get the aspect of but you're Irish and you don't drink and like you know Everyone thinks they're the first person to say that to me, and that's hilarious. But I'm just like, yeah, look, I, I don't fit any stereotypes. I, my general joke is, um, it's like you're Irish, you don't drink. I said, like, yeah, that's why they kick me out. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's uh, it, it it can be a bit a little bit frustrating like that. But most of the time, I'll say like, I don't think I've had any. I've had a lot of people make jokes and stuff like that, and 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 I don't take too much from it because I feel it tells stuff like that tells more about themselves than anything else. You know, and I would be the first one if it was in a reverse situation. I'd be the first one to, to make jokes as well. But I would also point it like go up and have a good conversation with whoever that person is and uh, generally say, like, you're doing the right thing. And yeah. uh, and uh, I think uh, whatever anyone has said to me in the past, or whatever people say to me in the future, I'll be like, if you're not on board with someone not drinking, then you have so many issues you know yeah. you you are you are the problem in a lot of of your friendships so um i think the first person you should be looking at is yourself mm. uh but that yeah unfortunately that's just that's just the way it is for them and mm. uh may they find our path eventually do you find that one because obviously there's a fundraising aspect of what you're doing as well right yeah. so you're raising money for charity as you're going so you put this out on social media it's not something that you know when I when I stopped drinking, I didn't. I just stopped from one day to the next. I just I don't want to do this anymore, right? Yeah. And I didn't go out on. I can't ever remember going out on social media because I'm so old that social media probably didn't exist <laughs> at that time, you know. But do you find people sliding into your DMs going, "Here, Joe, uh, I wouldn't actually mind giving that a go." Do you find people coming to you looking for advice now? Because let's face it, you're looking magnificent. You seem to be very productive <laughs> over there in London. Queues of women trailing around the place afterwards, 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 you know. <laughs> Yeah, I wish. I, I wish. Um, I I do get people like a lot of people saying they couldn't do it, and I I would immediately go to them saying yes, you can. Like you said, you don't know how strong you are until you um until you actually go for it. You know, until you make that decision, and then it's always like the first three days or the first five days. And um, I think the issue with me was I if I was going a night out, it wasn't the first point. It'd be the the second point that would get me. The third point, it would be like. Once the once I got the taste for it, then I I'd have about you know fifteen in a night. So like, actually cutting that from my life was was okay. It's always the worry is now when I whatever happens after the twenty eight, you know. But um, I do get a lot of people who who I try to tell them that like you will grow and you will have a clarity in your life if you if you do this if you if you take that break if you take that plunge, um, in whatever it is whatever it is um you will. You it, it will be something that will change your life forever and it'll change your relationship with what with stuff that you think you need to survive. Yeah. And um I do get a, I do get a few people asking about it and who, who say they can never do it. And I'm like, you can. You just can. And um and that's my advice to everyone. If you feel you need something um to just speak to people, then that's the first thing you should be getting rid of because you have to learn. That's why I said I wanted to go one year, no matter what happened, that I would have no alcohol whatsoever. Um, because I wanted to see where I I felt I needed alcohol, and they would be the first things I'd I'd improve myself on, mm. you know, and um and I I love it and I absolutely love it. There I was trying to like people ask me are you going to go back and I was like I honestly can't justify to my own body, uh going back and drinking the living shit out of the game yeah. for being so nice to it for a year and, yeah, then and then going, bang <laughs> Jaeger bombs here we go, <laughs> <laughs> um. 
but with the the charity has, has definitely helped me as well because it has given me something to like um to focus on and to be like, but well, I can't drink because I'm doing it for the kids, and um and yeah, well I, basically yeah, that's um so I the first month or six weeks or so that really did because I was like I can't give in for that I can't give in I can't give in, and we've raised um a thousand euros so far, um I'm trying to the goal overall goal is three grand um but I I don't see myself hitting that by the end of the month but. If I get as close to it as possible, even a ten or more is fantastic. Anything is good. So it's for the Shared Dream um, Foundation, which are an, an incredible um, place. I think they're based in Limerick and um, they do really good work for, for terminal kids or killed kids with um, really awful illnesses. So they are a very worthy charity. And um, I should be want everyone to look into and try to support in any, any way they can. And I, yeah, so it, it really helped me um, stay on the straight and narrow and, um, and give me something to focus on um, and has changed my life. And um, so, yeah, so so give me all your money, listeners, please. I, I love <laughs> how you say that very matter of fact. It was just sort of changed my life. Can we go back to the first <laughs> couple of days, Joe, right? Because you went yeah. from being, you know, hail fellow well met, here's Joe, Joe loves a few pints, etc. to all of a yeah. sudden Joe doesn't drink anymore. And you mentioned that uh, after a while you noticed that a clarity had come into your life that you didn't yeah. notice before. Did that surprise you was that something you woke up one day and went hang on a second i don't feel shit or you know, what, what was it that sort of uh that, when did that revelation come to you um oh that's an interesting one i don't know it, it seemed to be a thing over time i think it's because i went through like um a, you know one or two breakups or whatever or you know relationships sort of falling apart and uh usually the thing would be well i'm gonna you know hear the dog i'll go out i'll meet someone else and we'll have a laugh and forget all about it and um i've realized that i i I'm not great on on night outs without a few drinks in me. Like I'm great, like in certain aspects or from a group or whatever. But like I'm not actually great with going out and chatting with women or going up and especially like in a club or something like that because unless I have a few drinks in me. So it kind of made me have to actually sit and be like, okay, I guess I just have to deal with how I'm feeling. And uh, and it it took a while. I remember I think it was. This might be mentioned. It was on some sports show. I think I might have been off the ball. There's some review or something like that. But they said it mentioned um, a GAA. I can't think of his name, but he went to a retreat for two weeks, um, where you weren't allowed to speak, you weren't allowed uh, write anything down, you weren't, and you, you're with loads of people around you. But you had to whatever was going through your head, you just had to deal with it yourself you have to work through all this stuff without speaking to anyone without going through anything and i kind of felt like a like a, a methadone version of that uh where i just had to whatever was going on i felt like i have to deal with this and um i don't think i've ever really had that before because i'd always just be looking for the next kind of endorphin high whatever it is i'd go out or i'd, I'd do whatever i need to do to kind of like I'd, I'd deal with the feelings in what i think is the right way but i really didn't so now what it's been over the last while is me actively growing as a person. And then I have different aspects of my life. Like I, I gave up soft drinks as well um, because that was a part of me that I was like, I don't need this. Because the problem was that for ages I was drinking loads of Coke because I was like at the next alternative. But then I was like, I don't feel good. It's probably worse than pints in some way. Mm -hmm. Like it's bad for my skin and everything. So I just cut that out of my life. And uh, I do, look, I, I will say that it's not, I, I, I don't drink coffee or tea or anything like that anyway. But like sometimes I need to pick me up, especially if I have a long shift and work. So I'll have a Red Bull 
But aside from that, it's um, I've no, I've not had any coke. Actually, last night I spoiled myself a little bit for the countdown. Uh, um, everyone else is having champagne. I had a glass of lemonade, and I was like, Do you know what, Joe? You've earned um the little bit of lemonade. Um, Push the boat out for the new year. Yeah, just for the new year. Yeah, and then and then I killed myself this morning for it. But uh, (laughs) I just beat myself. I wish I hadn't done that. (laughs) Yeah, went myself in the back like your man. Hold on, my mic is gone again. Um, yeah, back again. I'm back again. Who is that priest or that holy lad from Dublin that used to whip himself? Oh God, I can't remember. I remember the guy all right, but I can't remember his name. You know, but it, it was an extraordinary character altogether. You know, but uh, but that was you last night behind the bar this morning when you got up above the pub, yeah. Yeah, I just came on to you. Uh, that uh, that's why I was just whipping myself and uh, bit, bit uh, of self flagellation in the morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have to flagellate myself once or twice a week as well. <laughs> Listen, I did, that was one of the interesting things that you mentioned there. Was this thing of going on dates meeting people etc etc yeah. now again you know I'm so old that I can't remember this so you know I remember seeing dinosaurs on my first date kind of thing you know um, <laughs> you're going out there you're meeting people on social media you're meeting people on apps you're yeah. meeting people in the pub Um, how different was that and how much success on all of these things is relative would you have had you know the more comfortable you became with yourself is it a case that you say okay you know it's actually harder to talk to people or hang on a second i'm actually more me now than i ever was before really when i'm talking to girls um i think it's I'm more me now i think it's a great way of putting it i i felt like um when i first gave up I had like a little bit of time where I was like a bit, I didn't know what I was doing or where I was. And there was a bit of a high, but there was a lot of insecurity as well. And then I moved into the second pub I was working in, which is super central London. And um, I'd kind of feel like, even though it'd be packed a lot of the time and there'd be lots of like, you know, uh, I'm trying to say this, I sound like an old man, but like attractive women there. Um, that's, uh, that's a fair yeah. assessment. Yeah, yeah, you can, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that's that. <laughs> I hope that paints a wonderful mental image for everyone. Um, but like, I felt like, oh, I'm serving them drinks, and they're and we're chatting with them, and you kind of build up a relationship that way, and a bit, bit of conversation. So I feel like it's it's kind of going. It like it's starting off as I wanted to go on because they have to speak to me if they want to get to serve drinks, and therefore I will, you know do my best to charm them in mostly a very bad way. Uh, as in like, I would mostly fail, but I would, I would definitely throw it out there and we'd have a laugh and stuff like that. And then, but then like the unfortunate aspect of that too is I'm giving them alcohol and they'd be like, Oh, do you want to come hang out? We're going out wherever afterwards. And I was like, yeah, um, um, but I'm, I'm not drinking. They were like, I'll just have a few drinks. And I was like, look, I actually don't drink. And then it kind of changed the relationship for the worse. So they're like, who wants that are pissed, but they've been drinking. I'm not, so it's kind of like, we'll just call it, I'm not going to go out, you know what I mean? Because yeah. uh, um, it's just better not to, um, or not to go out with them or whatever, or it, it just changes the dynamic too much, where if I, you know, was drinking, I'd, you know, throw a couple of shots in me before I'd head out, and then I'd go out and meet them. Yeah, and, so you uh, catch up a little bit here, sort of yeah, on the same yeah. playing field then, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that has been uh, an aspect which is an ideal, and then uh, I left that job in June, I was doing agency work um, for August, um, well, I was just doing that, and that was quite tough because, like, um, I was just anyone who's ever worked in the service industry, especially in agency work, knows how shit it is, and it's just like you're basically a dog's body. You're treated with like less respect than like a gnat, and uh, and it doesn't make you feel very sexy and sultry when uh, when you're like, hey, a glass of prosecco um, from miscellaneous man in the corner, uh, you know, <laughs> and then there's no eye contact made and they hit the road. So and then, I, but. But you just you sort of find your ebbs and flows, and you 
like I, I was on a date naps. So I'm, I'm off now, but because my goal is, I need, I prefer to meet um, ladies in person, and mm-hmm. um, and I've been working on that, and I try to, but it's it just, it's a case of, it is a kind of elephant in the room because you go on a night out, you're rarely going to find um uh, anyone who doesn't drink, uh, let alone an eligible lady. So, um, that aspect is tough, mm-hmm. um, and. But it's probably the it is like I, I think I mentioned before. It is probably the only sort of downside that it it does change your not only relationship with with alcohol but with people as well. Mm-hmm. Cause I think there's lots of people who uh, who have not been in contact with me as well over the past year or so because I don't drink. Like I'm sure if I was boozing every other week, there'd be someone staying with me in London that would be coming over for for a weekend, and um, and that obviously hasn't happened. And mm-hmm. um, so. There's there's that kind of I parts of it, but I don't regret that um at all. You know, there's it's it can be a little bit frustrating, but it's like it it just makes me learn more about myself and more about the people that are made to me as well. I think it also helps you to find a different tribe because all of a sudden your areas of interest are not spending six nights a week, you know, having a few yeah. drinks after work and then going out or sitting in the bar until four or five in the morning and inviting a few people over. You have to find people who aren't you know who who are not of, of necessarily like mine but who understand who you are and and why you're doing what you're doing because yeah. you can't have sort of meaningful relationships with people who don't do that because you just don't have anything in common anymore you know um, yeah. you work as an actor you're a, a scriptwriter you make videos um you do all sorts of things with the, with the Irish creative community in London yeah. how has not drinking affected your artistic work oh my god like so much it's uh it's like in anything it's made it so much more positive because I, I think anyone who's creative whatsoever has to be able to look deep inside themselves to pull well, it doesn't matter if you're a musician, poet, uh, songwriter, uh anything, anything at all. If you're creative, it all comes from within. Um it comes from the exterior world, you bring it inside and you you take it out. Um and I know there is uh, like one of the greatest writers of all time, Ernest Hemingway, and and I think Conor McPherson also had a massive um I could be wrong there, but I feel like it's kind of first had a massive issue with alcohol for years, but he's sober now. Um, these, um, yeah, the, but actually, sorry, he did, but he has only started writing post that. Anyway, sorry, that's a that's a mood point. Um, but, <laughs> but but with me, it's it's allowed me to figure out more about who I am, um, what I want to do, and how I want to do it, and it's made me a lot more. I was productive, I felt anyway, um, but it made me a lot more productive now as well. And uh, the community I'm in now are so enthusiastic and are so, um, uh, they're absolutely amazing. They just come up and offer me orange juices all the time. Every time we're on a night out, every time we're hosting, they're like, and the thing is, there's no, there's no variety. It's always an orange juice. Like, it's all, like can I get you an orange juice, Joe? And I'm like, yeah, fine. Yeah, go on. And like, even, <laughs> if, I'm cur- yeah, even if I'm currently drinking a non-alcoholic drink, they'd be like, can I get you a, can I get you an orange juice? I'm like, yeah, fine, go for it. And then, um, <laughs> And it is funny that I have like a large group of mates that have never seen me drink a, a pint. Mm. You know, I've never seen me. Uh, and I do like that. Um, but it is like the clarity that I, I mentioned before and the productivity that comes from just having a health, well, a mostly healthy mind, but at least a, a sober mind um, 12 months out of the year is like, like I mentioned earlier, and like I said to everyone, I cannot justify ever drinking again to myself. Mm. You know, I can't because there has been the downsides have been one percent, with the upsides being the other ninety nine. 
Is that a categorical statement now that on the 27th and the 28th of January, on the anniversary, that that's it? Joe is not actually just off the gargle for a year. We are now dealing with alcohol-free Joe O'Neill for the rest of his life. Um, I don't know if I can go that much. I feel like it's a bit of a Dylan Moran. Um, I don't know if you, he said, like his, I, he did it in stand-up a couple of years ago. He's like, I am taking a break from alcohol. I will drink again, but I will. I'm just on a break now. And I feel like there will be times in my life. I know when... I feel I'll want the drink and when I won't, but I do want to go on the drink again for at least one night just to see where I am with it. Hmm. Um, just to see if I can do that and then maybe go off it again. But that doesn't ne- necessarily mean it'll be the 28th. Hmm. Um, it, does, it could be next Christmas. It could be in a couple of years from now. It could be, you know, it could be, it could be the 28th. I don't know. But I don't ever see myself um, I got drinking alcohol in in any way as what I did before. If it ends up being like that, because right down to it, I don't want to. I don't want to have that relationship with alcohol again. I don't want to, um, drink, uh, weekly, uh, nightly, uh, monthly. I just don't want to. Mm. Now I can see certain aspects of things like uh, I send it to people like, when would you drink? And I'd be like, well, if I'm going to a new city on vacation on holiday or something like that I will I could see myself then if I'm coming home for a week for Christmas maybe I could see it then and um, maybe a wedding or something like that but actually I don't even think wedding because I know everyone there but like just like the stuff just like going away or uh, going home maybe but aside from that I have no interest have you found one of the things that's related a lot to, to drinking a lot of alcohol, and I'm sure many people listening to this will feel this way after Christmas, because you'll go home, you'll have a big feed of pints at Naismas or, or celebrating whatever it is you're doing, right? And then you'll say something or you'll do something. And it might be, you know, something political or it might be about, you know, your ex or it might be about your current, you know. And then all of a sudden shame kicks in because the following morning yeah. you get up and you go, oh, fuck. Are you sort of, do you not do those things anymore or do you just do it less often that you do something you go, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have done that. Something you um, end up regretting. Phil, having met me before, you'll know I, I don't tend to not talk a lot. Um, So <laughs> I, I I tend to be saying a lot of things all the time and I hope some of the stupid things are kind of uh, said so quickly that people mightn't have heard them. Uh, <laughs> but um, I do still say stupid things, but like I feel... um. All those moments go. Well, look, you're not inebriated. You're you're of somewhat sound mind. You're you're going to be a lot more in control of who you are. And I feel like those situations have. Um, I don't think I've really said anything, uh, other than attempts to be funny. I don't think I've said anything, um, hurtful or anything that would that might happen accidentally when you were drinking, um, at all, which has been great. Do you know what I mean? It is that sense of, um. Uh, just feeling really good about yourself like for, like I said for example this is New Year's Day um, any other New Year's I would have been whatever time I would have finished work at plus add on three hours of extra pints and then I was and then I'd do, do an interview with, with the wonderful Phil O'Connor like this is um, the pr- prime example of how this has progressed in my life New Year's mm. is that night I still had a great night I'm up to do an interview in the morning mm. you know and it's it's kind of consistent like that I can do so much and I don't Everyone has said I've never needed alcohol to have a good time, and I I never have, and um and I never will again, um. But 
No, I don't think there is a but in that. I think that is just the, the, the sentence. Yeah, you went, you went looking oh, yeah. for a but, but there's no but there, Joe. There's no but. Yeah, there's no, no but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's you just say you don't see yeah. that either. Um, yeah. Finally, and thanks very much for taking the time to talk to me no, on this wonderful New Year's Day. Um, you're relatively new in London, right? You were there for a little while and then you gave up drinking, right? So people in London yeah. listening to this or people in the Irish creative community in London, they don't know you as well as yeah. I know you or as well as your brother yeah. Kevin knows you or yeah. all the lads and Nace that you celebrate Nace with. What would they say if I asked them who Joe O'Neill is? Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to put this into the WhatsApp group, this uh, podcast, so they, they can answer it themselves. Um, and, I, and I'll let you know. But I, I feel that they have someone who works hard and who cares about uh, cares about his mates and cares about the, the Irish community and cares about the, the well-being of Irish people. Uh, well, not of Irish people, but of everybody, but but of of my Irish people. And... Uh, and who likes to have a good time and still has a good time. So I think that's what they would say. If anyone else out there wants to uh wants once they listen to this, want to message me immediately with what their what their actual thoughts are, let me know. But I know that um I do get a lot of love from them and um I love, I love them deeply too. And uh the the creative collective is growing, the Irish Creative Collective can be found on Instagram, um, is growing and there's a lot of interest and it wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't for people in the group. And um and I love them all for it. And um so yeah, I think they would hopefully have nice things to say about sober Joe. I think they would too. And I think any love you get from there is very well deserved. Finally, when is the yes. next event coming up with the Irish Creative Collective in London? And how can people get involved? You mentioned the Instagram account there. What's that called? The Instagram is Irish Creative Collective. Our next um we've only got one thing booked currently for January because we're just seeing the way the month plays out. But we are we have a poetry night the 9th of January, uh, which is Monday, in the Irish 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 Centre. What is in Kilburn, the London, is it? The, no 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 the London Irish Centre in Camden. I don't okay. know I forgot that. I'm there the whole time. Um the London Irish Centre Camden, it's poetry night from seven o'clock. If there's any potential poets out there, uh, let me know at the Irish Creative Collective. Our email is irishcreativecollective at gmail.com. We're hoping to get a a um website soon enough. We were hoping to get one last year, but we just need a few more bits um to get that set up. Um we'll hopefully get cards and everything soon. And we've got a musical theatre showcase in April. We've a showcase for Irish uh, um, Irish musical theatre performers in April and on showcase for Irish musical theatre. Sorry. What? Okay, I'm going to say that one again. You're obsessed with that musical theatre crack. Yeah. I'm just annoyed myself for not saying it right the first time. <laughs> uh, we have an Irish musical theatre showcase April 13th. Um, and then we have a showcase for Irish music. Irish. Oh my God. Irish playwrights, actors and directors which it'll be the first week of May in the Irish Cultural Centre. And that's called the New Irish Playbook. So keep your eyes open for that. And we will be running events, hopefully in the not too distant future, weekly. They won't always be the same thing. So we'll have music sessions, poetry nights, comedy nights, the networking night, which is once a month and it changes location um, with a lot of other stuff coming up. And it doesn't matter. I know I've just mentioned sort of the written stuff the, or, or comedy or whatever, or music, but like it doesn't matter what your creative discipline is, whether you're a producer, whether you're or whatever um everyone is welcome um and even if you're not creative um at all you just want to have a good time with irish people everyone is welcome at the um at the networking nights i wish i could call them something different than the networking nights because they're mainly just having the crack mm -hmm. so whoever can make it you're more than welcome as long as you're not a tory <laughs>
<laughs> they're completely out at the moment. You know? Out. Yeah, I, yeah. Actually, what I will do is, and uh, we, we'll talk a little bit about this offline, but let's set up a Global Gale podcast at one of those nights in London in the very near future. Oh, my God, yes. Some talented people like yourself. And we'll just go there and we'll do it live in front of an audience. We'll find some creative people. We might talk about this subject again. We might talk about whatever subject. But for now, Sober Joe O'Neill, thank you so much for talking to me about dry January and February and March and April <laughs> and so on. Take care of yourself, brother. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Phil. Love you all. Let's talk about things I'm curious about. For example, St. Patrick's Day. The United States, they make such a big deal yeah. out of it. And I know that the tradition in Ireland is is quite different. What did you do on St. Patrick's Day? Did you go, do you go crazy? Which, which, which no, you go? the two traditions in Ireland are very simple. You people have some sandwiches and they, they're hanging around because it's a holiday. And then the other tradition is you take your top off and you get onto a roof and you challenge whole population centers to a fight. Um, <laughs> and I didn't do that because I'm, I'm having a holiday from booze. So, oh, how yeah. long is your holiday from booze? Been? Well, I did dry January, which is a thing people do a lot uh, in Ireland, Britain, and uh, I lost 485 pounds. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so I thought I better. I might. Yeah, you look better. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I thought I might see what happened in February. Is that really? Is that really quite popular that people do a dry? Yeah, January? it is. It's not a choice. People don't do it because they go, "Oh, this is a healthy lifestyle choice." They do it because they're about to die. Yeah. And um, <laughs> that's how people make those choices. They do it against their will. There you go. That was Irish comedian Dylan Moran talking to Conan O'Brien about taking a holiday from booze there. And it was interesting, actually, just if you listen to that whole clip. And Conan has, like, basically all the reactions that everybody has had to Joe O'Neill that we talked about there over the last half an hour, 40-odd minutes. That is all we have time for in this, the very first uh, Global Gale podcast of 2023. I hope you've enjoyed it. Had a little chat with Joe off-air there just when we were done recording. And we are going to bring the podcast to London in the very near future we're going to meet up with some of the people from the irish creative collective over there we're going to sit down we're going to have an orange juice uh we're going to have maybe some of them might even have pints who knows we might go mad all together and uh, we'll try to meet some of the lovely irish people over there and make that a sort of a regular thing but again in order to be able to do these things the best way is if you can support me on patreon patreon.com forward slash our man in stockholm again i hope you're getting through january i hope uh, you've enjoyed your christmas that kind of thing and uh, you're looking forward now to what this year may bring us and indeed what next week's podcast may bring us i have a guest in mind i'm going to be meeting her hopefully in dublin in the coming days but uh, more of that and on in the meantime take care of ourselves take care of one another and i'll be back to you again next week with a new episode of the global gale podcast <laughs>